Well, today we're wrapping up our series. Like I said, we're wrapping up our series back to normal. And uh, if, if you're here, you're like, you didn't catch any of the series and you don't know what's it about. Let me, let me let you know. The premise has been that the past 14 months has changed so much in our world and in our lives. Can I get an amen? Right. Has it changed anybody else? Am I the only one? Right. We, we've all been rocked. Right. These past 14 months. And so it's changed. Right. It's changed so much that in the past year plus, we've developed new rhythms. We've developed new habits and we even have new outlooks on life. And listen, not all of it is very kosher, right? We, we, a lot of it hasn't been good rhythms or good habits that we've developed. And so many of us, we've been wrestling with the question, man, when will things go back to normal? When, when are things going to we'll go back to normal? And I'm going to make the argument that that's the wrong question. I think the question that we need to ask ourselves are what are the new rules? What are the new rules? Because guys, normal is out the window. It's gone. And we've done developed new normals, right? So now we need to relearn. We need to redevelop. We need to figure out what are the new rules. And that's what we've been doing throughout this whole series. Now, one of the things that has been rocked, it's something that is core to the Christian faith. This is what we're talking about today as we wrap up the series. You see, in the scriptures, when you read the Bible, especially the New Testament, the scriptures teach us that we are called to be disciples and we're called to make disciples. All throughout the New Testament, you read the New Testament. These are the two things. It's littered all throughout. This is something that is core to Jesus' message. When he says, Jesus says, come and follow me. Right? That's to be a disciple and to follow Jesus. And then Jesus said, before he ascended back into heaven, after his resurrection, he said, go and make disciples. So this is core to what we believe as followers of Jesus, that we're called to be disciples and to make disciples. So if this is something that is core to what, if, you're, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, if this is something that is core to what we believe, I want you guys to examine the past 14 months and I want you to think about this. How's it going for you? If this is something that is core to the Christian message and core to the Christian faith and we're called to go and make disciples, how's it going for you? In the past 14 months, how have you grown as a disciple? What about this? Who has grown as a disciple of Jesus because of you? Because you invested in them and you invested in their growth as a disciple. Now, I know what you guys are thinking, because I'm thinking the same thing, and that is, I have a feeling that perhaps we've all allowed the new normal that's been fabricated by the past 14 months to stop us from fulfilling this core principle that we're all called to, right? I think the past 14 months, that we're called to be disciples and make disciples, and for a lot of us, for most of us, we've all been rocked, so rocked by everything that's gone on, the pandemic and the, the emotional strife behind that, the fear behind that, that we have stopped or we have hindered these two areas that we are so clearly in the scriptures called to live out. So remember what I told you. Isn't, the question isn't how we go back to normal. The question is, what's the, how do we build a new, a, new, a new normal? What does it look like? What are the new rules? So that's what we're going to answer today. What are the new rules for discipleship? But first, we need to know what is a disciple and what is discipleship. If you're sitting here today and you, maybe you don't know what those words are or what that means, and I'm going to try to explain it to you guys. The best description of a disciple, I think, is what we see happen when Jesus calls his first followers. Check out what it says in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. You have it right there in your notes and it's on the screen. I'll read it for us. Here's what it says. 
And he, this is Jesus, was walking along the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers. Now, you guys know these two brothers. You've heard them. You've met them. You've read many stories about these guys. The first one was Simon, who's called Peter. You know him more, uh, more likely as Peter. And his brother Andrew. They were casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. So these two brothers are doing what they do because they fish. And so they're out there working with the family business, out casting nets into the sea, trying to catch fish. And look at what Jesus tells them. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. And check out their response. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. You see, guys, if you're taking notes, this is the first fill in the blank. You can write this down. That is that a disciple is a follower of Jesus. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. Now, you may or may not know this, but a lot of the, Bi a lot of the New Testament specifically was written in Greek. It was written in Greek. And so the word that is disciple was actually this word. I have it on the screen for you guys. Is the Greek word methetes. I probably said it wrong. If you speak Greek, you can correct me, but... You know, this, that's, that's my, my best uh, sort of way of trying to pronounce it. Methetes, okay? And here's what it means. The definition of methetes, or the word that's translated disciple, means more than just a student or a learner, a disciple is a follower. Everybody say follower. follower. Someone who adheres completely to the teachings of another, making them his rule of life and of conduct. So a disciple is so much more than a student, a learner, someone who adheres to the teachings of another. Did you guys know this, that in the Bible, when we read about the, uh, the initial Christians, they weren't called Christians in the Bible. They were called disciples. They weren't called Christians. In fact, they didn't get the label Christian until long after Jesus ascended back into heaven. We read it in the book of Acts, after the ascension of Christ, then they're called Christians, and it was more of a derogatory term. It was making fun of them when they called them Christians. And so to be a disciple is to be a student and a follower of Jesus. That's what it means. We're a follower of Jesus. So then what is discipleship? What does that mean? What does discipleship mean? Well, discipleship is actually a word that's not in the Bible. Did you guys know that? You can't find it anywhere. It doesn't exist in the Bible. But the idea of discipleship is littered all throughout the Scriptures. If you're taking notes, this is the second fill in the blank. And that is the discipleship is the process of becoming more like Christ. Discipleship is the process of becoming more like Christ. And another way to look at it is as a, of discipleship is as a natural result of being a disciple. It's the natural outcome of being a disciple. In other words, discipleship happens when you take being a disciple seriously. Does that make sense? When, when you take the, being a disciple seriously, discipleship automatically happens. It's when learning leads to following, which leads to becoming more like Christ in thought, word, and action. By the way, guys, I just got to uh, throw this in there because there's often a huge disconnect here, which, which is why we lose credibility oftentimes as Christians in the world. You see, when, when someone claims to follow Christ, but then they live like the devil. There's a disconnect between what is said and what is communicated and what is done. And the natural outcome of, of that in the world is like, oh, well, you know, so-called Christians are just, like, just as bad as everybody else, right? And so it creates this disconnect to our testimony. And so the, the, the way that discipleship is often communicated in the New Testament is by using words like growing and maturity. 
Right? That, those are the words usually uh, connected to the idea of discipleship. So look at, look at what Paul says, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 13. Now in this passage, he's talking about certain people that God has gifted in order to, uh, to teach and shepherd the church to growing in maturity, okay? So look at what he says. He says, and he gave himself some, and then he goes on to list of group of people, pastors, shepherds, teachers, so on and so forth. He gave himself some to equip the saints, that's you guys, that's all of us, for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all, everybody say we all, we all. reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, Growing into maturity, everybody say maturity, maturity, with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Did you guys catch that? Paul, Paul is saying, right, there's, there's some people that God has gifted to teach, instruct, shepherd, pastor, people to grow into maturity. But then look what he says. Paul says, until we all reach unity. Who's we? We is all of us, and Paul included. Paul included himself. In here, when he talked about the idea of growing in maturity and drawing closer to Jesus, he said, I'm included in that too, until we all reach unity in the faith, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. And so, discipleship carries with it the idea, that listen to this, that this is something we're becoming, not a destination that we've arrived at. Did you guys catch that? Discipleship is... The idea that this is something we're becoming, not a destination that we've arrived at. And that's why I always say, uh, you hear me repeat this over and over again, that is that we're all on the spiritual journey, all of us. Maybe you're a couple steps ahead, or maybe some of us, we're still learning, we're trying to understand, we're trying to grapple with our faith, we're trying to make sense of what we read in the Scriptures and how we apply and we're wrestling with the truths of, of, of Scripture and of Jesus. But we're all on the spiritual journey. But listen, None of us have arrived, okay? None of us have arrived, and we're all learning, and we're all growing together. And listen, I hate it. I hate it with a passion when someone tries to paint themselves as holier than thou. Do you guys know anybody like that? Don't, don't point at anybody. That's not nice. Don't do that, okay? But we all know somebody like that, right? That's like they paint themselves to be holier than thou and so further ahead in the Christian walk. But, because the, but the truth is that we're all on a journey to growing in Christ's likeness. I got news for you, you ain't made it yet, okay? None of us have made it yet. And so there's, there's two facets to this whole disciple and discipleship thing. There's two, there's two sides to this coin. And part of the new rules for discipleship involves this. Because to some degree, guys, let's be honest with ourselves, all right? Let's not sugarcoat anything. We've all been impacted by the events of the past 14 months. So we need this reminder. Okay, here's number one. Write this down in your notes. You have a personal responsibility. When it comes to discipleship, when it comes to being a disciple, you have a personal responsibility. Okay? When it comes to being a disciple, you have to draw this conclusion, and that is that this is what you're called to do. This is what you are going to do. Now listen, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I wish I could put this on autopilot for you. Like, I wish I could autopilot your growth as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus. But no matter how sincerely I wish that for you, and even for myself, I can't. I can't autopilot. It can't be done. 
by the way, I want you guys to understand is that for you to blame someone else for your lack of discipleship is also extremely irresponsible and lazy. And so often we want to blame our lack of growth as a disciple on somebody else. But that's very irresponsible and lazy. It's a cop-out to blame someone else for your lack of spiritual enthusiasm or affections for Jesus or, or your zeal to proclaim the gospel, right? And, and in fact, this is part of Western Christianity. This is the problem with Western Christianity. It's our tremendous dependence on the church to provide all our spiritual nourishment. That's why there's so many people that are spiritually lacking because we haven't learned to become self-feeders, right? We haven't learned to grow and take on the personal, the personal responsibility of our own discipleship, which is why when the shutdown happened in New York City, we had so many starved Christians, right? Because the church for so long has been the sole source of our, of our, of our soul nourishment and our discipleship. And so when that was taken away, Right? We, we headed down this slippery spiritual slope. But what you need to understand, as important as the church is, and we're going to get to that in a second, it's very important, you need to understand that you have a personal responsibility, not only in believing in Jesus, not only putting the head knowledge of who Jesus is, but also in growing in maturity. In other words, you have a responsibility to not only listen to Jesus, but to obey what he says. And Jesus' words, look at what he said. Let's read this verse out loud. This is Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Would you guys read this out loud with me? It's on the screen and it's in your notes. Ready, go. Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Did you hear Jesus' words here? This is Jesus' call to the individual. Did you guys catch that? Listen to Jesus' call, listen, to you. No, no, not the person behind you, not, not the person next to you or in front of you. This is Jesus' call to you. No, not your spouse, not your significant other, not your best friend, to you. This is Jesus' call to you. He says, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. You see that? And so if you want to follow Jesus, you need to deny yourself which means that you need to deny all those selfish ambitions and all those sinful desires that are constantly pulling after your flesh. Then he says you need, to, you need to take up your cross daily, which means, listen, that there's a cost to following Jesus. It means that it's difficult. It means that it's a challenge. It means that it is not easy. And you need to follow him, follow Jesus, which means that we need to follow him over all the other voices of the world, over all the other ideologies, over all the religions. Follow Jesus. And this is the point that Paul makes when he writes to a young leader named Timothy in, in uh, one of the books in the New Testament. It's actually a letter, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It says this, listen to this. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather train yourself. Everybody say train yourself. Train yourself in godliness. Do you guys see the, the emphasis that Paul gives here? If you like to take extra notes or, or underline in your Bible or in your notes, I would go ahead and circle, underline, put a star, you know, whatever, right there where it says train yourself. Train yourself in godliness. This is Paul's charge to, to Timothy to train himself. Likewise, we have a personal responsibility to train ourselves in godliness. Now, what does that look like? What does growth and godliness look like? In a nutshell, it looks like growing in Christ-likeness. 
right? It's connected back to the responsibility that we have in growing as a disciple, which means that we're not only knowing Christ, but we're listening to Christ and we're doing what He said. Faith and action. Okay? So we have, you have, I have a personal responsibility when it comes to growing as a disciple. This is number two. Write this down. We have a corporate responsibility. We have a corporate responsibility. Who's we? By we, I mean us. All of us. Everybody here in this room. Corporately, as a church family, we have. And I have to emphasize this because, you know, honestly, it depends. We all come from different backgrounds, upbringings, and even different faith traditions, right? And so maybe you have an understanding of the church. The church to you is just like a building or it's just an organization. But I'm not referring to a building. I'm not referring to an organization. When I refer to the church, I'm talking about us, the church, the family, the family of God. And if you're here today, you are a part of the family of God. And together we have a job to play a significant role, listen, in one another's lives, to grow as disciples. Did you guys know that? That you have a responsibility to help me grow as a disciple? That you have a responsibility for the person to your left, the person to your right, the person behind you, the person in front of you, that you have a responsibility as a church family to play a role in that discipleship process? You do. Have you ever heard this African proverb? I have it on the screen. You can go ahead and put that up, Christian. I have a, a slide there. It says, it takes a village to raise a child. You ever heard this? Anybody ever heard this proverb before? It takes a village to raise a child. Here's what it means. It means that it takes a community of people to help raise, you know, one's children. By the way, you know, real talk, I got three kids, right? The junior Christian and Melody. And this tells me that we need a village. We need other people to help us raise our kids. And this is exactly real talk. This is what we need from each and every single one of you guys. We need your help to help us raise, to help us love, to help instruct, to help give advice to, to help build faith into, and to speak life into our kids. I need you to do that because it takes a village to raise a child. And Melissa and I depend on you guys to help us raise our children in the ways of the Lord. They need you guys, right? Because anyway, we're not that cool. We're their parents, right? Some of you got the cool factor with them, all right? So you can bring them under your arm. You can love them. You can shepherd their hearts, right? You can encourage them. You can come alongside me and Melissa. And essentially, this is what that means. That's a side note. But following that same vein of thought, when it comes to it takes a, uh, a village, I have this other slide. Christian, you can put it up. If it takes a village to raise a child, then it takes a church family to raise a disciple. If it takes a village to raise a child, then it takes a church family to raise a disciple. Listen, we have a corporate responsibility to make disciples. Not only of those that aren't here yet, of course, guys, of course, we're here to make disciples of all nations. That's what Jesus said. For those that aren't here yet, for people that haven't put their faith in Jesus yet, we have a responsibility to reach the lost. But beyond that, we also have a responsibility of, among each other to be able to encourage each other and grow in Christ-likeness. And guys, this is exactly what we see modeled in the early church. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 47. Check this out. Look at what it says. It says, Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. Every day they what? They devoted, devoted themselves. Everybody say devoted. devoted. 
They devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food. Somebody say yum. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. Who doesn't like to eat, right? Oh, yeah. So it, it, joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now, guys, there's so much that we can draw from this text. This is not the point of the message. I want to focus on the idea, right? The big idea is that the growth as disciples of Jesus, growth for all of us as disciples of Jesus, best happens in the context of community in the church family. You see, it was in the context of getting together in the temple. Did you guys catch that? In the temple, circle temple right there. And you know, you can write on top of that church. That's what that represents. They went to the temple. They would get together. They would meet together. Essentially, that was our example of getting together in church. That's the large group gathering. But then they went ahead and they broke bread. All right, you can go ahead on the line where it says break bread and just put groups or homes. That's our example of small groups or, small, or meeting in homes. And then it says that they were devoted. What does that mean? That word devoted. On top of that, you can write in your notes. You can write down that it was a priority. Put the word priority. That's what the word devotion means. It means that it was a priority for the early church. That it was, there was intentionality around carving time to grow as a disciple and also to invest in others and to do life with others. Right? It means that it wasn't easy for them. It means that it doesn't mean that they, had, they didn't have jobs and work and responsibilities and kids and, and, and bills to pay. It didn't mean none of that. It just meant that they made this a priority in their lives. And so keeping with that model, as a church family, we want to try to share some of these experiences, right? And this is something that you're all a part of and you know this. Uh, first is the Sunday gathering, right? This is what we're doing right now as a church. We're coming together. This is the large group gathering. Get to, we get in together to encourage each other to worship God. When Hunter comes up here and he sings you know, that's those songs so that we can lift hands and worship God and encourage each other. And then we also get together and encourage each other from the reading and studying God's word. And, and listen, the real word, the, the real reason why you guys come, listen, you don't come to hear a mediocre sermon from me, right? You, you come so that you can spend time with each other and so you can chat and encourage each other and pray with each other and be in each other's lives, right? You, yeah, that's, that's the real reason for why you come to build those friendships and to have the prayers offered and the words of encouragement, right? Then we have the smaller groups. We call them life groups here. This is our smaller group gathering. This is the time that we provide to be in each other's lives, to pray together, to study, to have conversations centered on what we're learning here on Sundays. And listen, pre-pandemic, we did this at each other's homes. Who remembers that? Right? Back in the day when dinosaurs roamed the earth, you remember that was a lot of fun, right? We used to be in each other's houses and eat and have a lot of fun and man, just spend time in each other's homes. Uh, and, and the most important thing, guys, we threw down in the kitchen and had food, right? We used to have food at the life groups, right? And this is one of the things that I miss the most. We just had a semester of spring life groups, and it looked a little bit different. We weren't meeting in homes. We did it online, and we had a great time providing that space, carving out that time, creating intentionality around building the sense of community and helping disciple each other. Now, I'm excited for the summer because this summer we're going to have an abbreviated version of life groups, and we're going to meet together in person. We're going to go to the park, have picnics in the park, and just be able to spend time with each other. And I'm even more excited for the fall because as far as I can see, as everything continues to progress and open up, 
we should be able to have life groups back in homes again this fall. So I'm excited for that. I'm really looking forward to that. But this summer, at the very least, we're going to have a short semester. Go to the park, throw a frisbee, eat some sandwiches and chips, and have a good time and be in each other's lives. And invite you guys to be on the lookout for that and to participate. All right, here's the last thing um, that we just recently started. It's called Bible studies that we've been doing. This is a recent opportunity that we began, and that's just getting together. And we've been, we broke it up for the fellas and for the ladies, right? This is what we just started doing. We have two opportunities to connect during the week. And, and yes, of course, the emphasis is to study the Bible, but, you know, the strength really comes in the conversation as we Right? The fellas know this as we wrestle with the passages and figure it out. And we ask ourselves, like, how does it connect to our lives? What is the application for this? And then it's an opportunity to encourage and pray for one another and to strengthen one another. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. Right? And so we give this opportunity. You're more than welcome to, to join. And, and, and since it's online, you could just join in while you're on the road or you're at home or in the park or whatever. We have one of the guys that joined, one of my neighbors joined in. This Sunday, I mean, this, this Wednesday, he was at work. And he's, I think he's a security guard. He was all suited up, looked real sharp with a little badge and everything. He just took a break and he, you know, got on the call for 45 minutes and got on the Bible study. It was awesome. So anyway, I encourage you guys to be a part of that. But here's the key. The key with all these things is building intentionality around these opportunities. Because listen, listen to me. It's both your responsibility and it's our corporate responsibility. The early church devoted themselves, which means that this was a priority. Not that it was necessarily easy for them to do, but they incorporated into their personal and corporate growth as disciples. They incorporated this into their regular rhythms of life. So I'm going to invite Hunter to come up here. He's going to lead us in one final song, and I'm going to leave you with a series of questions, okay? I want you guys to meditate on these questions. Maybe you want to write these questions down. It's up to you, and you can really wrestle with them uh, during the week if you want. Totally up to you. But he's going to lead us in one final song, and you'll have an opportunity to partake in communion in just a second. But think about these questions. What steps are you taking to develop your life as a disciple? What steps are you taking to develop your life as a disciple? What are you doing to train yourself in godliness? Are you taking ownership and responsibility over your growth? Because we have a responsibility, the individual. I have a responsibility for my growth as a disciple of Jesus, and you have a responsibility for your growth as a follower of Jesus. And what about corporately? What steps are you taking to contribute to the discipleship of others? Do you see yourself as an important member of the church family that helps to contribute to the growth of others? Because let me tell you, I need you in my life to sharpen me and to help me grow as a follower of Jesus. And you need the person that's next to you, to your left, to your right, in front of you and behind you. We all need each other to sharpen each other to grow as a disciple of Christ, which means I need you to see yourself as an important member of the church family to contribute into helping others grow. Here's a clue to all those questions, and that is that it's not going to happen on its own. You have to prioritize and you have to persevere. You have to make it a priority in your life and you have to persevere 
when things get tough. Now, what if you're not a follower of Jesus here in this room or maybe watching the live stream on Facebook? Or what if you've just been on, on the fence of your faith and you have more questions than answers? Then here's your first step. Your first step in regards to your walk as a disciple is to know Jesus. That's it. It's to put faith in Jesus. And this is what all of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, this was our initial step for every single one of us that call Jesus our Lord and Savior. Start it here. Our discipleship journey starts with knowing Jesus, putting our faith in Him. It's to acknowledge that we are all sinful, that we all fall short before the glory of God, and that that sin separates us from God, but that God in His great love for us sent Jesus to die in our place. And Jesus died on the cross was buried in the grave and rose to atone for our sins so that we can have forgiveness of sin and new life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, then this is my prayer for you. This is where the journey begins, by putting your faith in Jesus. And I invite you to do so today. In a moment, we're going to participate in communion. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And the way we do communion here is in the back, the table on my, the far, on my right side in the back has the little communion cups. They're all prepackaged. Go ahead, grab one, take it back to your seat. And as Hunter leads us in worship, you can go ahead and participate in communion uh, at your leisure. If you're a follower of Jesus, I invite you that as you partake in communion to remember the blood of Jesus shed, the body of Jesus broken, so that we can be made whole and made righteous in Christ. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to see our personal responsibility. That each and every single one of us as individuals have a responsibility to grow as a disciple. Therefore, God, I pray that you would help us, God, when, when we're lazy, when we're apathetic, when we're hurting, God, that we might be able to pursue you despite all of those circumstances. And God, help us remi and remind us, God, that it takes all of us as the church to encourage and to strengthen and to help each other grow. So help us to see the role that we're called to play. In Jesus' name, amen.